0: Hey everyone, we want to take a brief moment to tell you about a FeedXL discount now available on our show page. Each week, we'll have a link under our reference notes that will give our listeners a 10% discount on any FeedXL membership level.
1: Let go of the stress and guesswork involved in determining what to feed your horse. Using FeedXL program, you can enter in details about your horse, and FeedXL will actually generate a ration calculation to show you what nutrients are above or below the recommended levels for good equine health.
0: I've been a member for three years and highly recommend it. Thanks so much.
1: This week, Nancy and I are looking at a paper called The Influence of Packaging on Palatability and Shelf-Life Stability of Horse Treats. And this is by J. M. Francis and E. B. Perry. So in a nutshell, this study looked at the packaging materials that were used on horse treats and took a look at which materials protected the product the best, improved the shelf life, but also maintains that palatability for horses. So there were three packaging treatments used. There was a control, there was poly, which is a plastic substance, and there was paper. And they were examined at five different points over a 12-month period. They did realize the first examination um, that there was no difference. Shelf life obviously is the same. None of the treats have mold on them and the horses ate them all equally. But as time went on, they did observe that with the number of treats consumed, the horses actually did have a preference for the treats that were packaged using the poly material and they decreased um, interest in the treats using the paper material, which the eco person in me was like, no, (laughs) I wish the paper had come out on top of this. But unfortunately it just seemed to be too permeable to moisture. And even by month 12, the treats, some of the treats had mold on them, which did you see that picture, Nancy? Because I thought, you really have to look. I mean, how many people just grab a handful of treats? I think you'd easily miss that mold.
0: It, ha- it has happened to me two summers in a row during the month of July and August um, when we've had dew points above 70 um, degrees. It has been crazy that um, I pull out a treat from a paper bag And they're apple treats by Mana Pro, so I'm certain they're really close to this because this paper was done at at Southern Illinois University at Carbondale. And the lab used was at Nestle Purina in downtown St. Louis. So this is all in the neck of of my woods, you know. And um, I have had where I pull out treats and I go to give them and I see the mold on them. And I just think it has something to do with the high temperature, the high humidity. And it's just um, the paper bags, the, you know, the water just accumulates and, you know, the airflow and all that just um, and they're all when the treats are up against the sides of the paper bag. So it's usually when I'm towards the bottom of the bag that in the summer months, you really have to look for them. Now, they started this study in the month of August. So when they opened the bag, um, it, it was fresh product, because if you notice, the company shipped them. The treats to be used. So they were probably pretty fresh treats. So um, the horses all ate. But 12 months later, when that temperature and dew point, you know, got above 70, that's when the mold started. And so my treats are in a paper bag and they seem to get moldy during the summer months. And I I'm with you, the plastic to me, I just think there's gotta be some vapors or from some chemicals that bleed off of that, that might um, not be so good for the horses. So I found this, um, research because I'm looking for anything that might be an endocrine disruptor with horses because we're finding more equine metabolic issues are occurring in horses that really don't have the genotypical uh, propensity for that. So like your Welsh ponies, they have a propensity for equine metabolic syndrome, but a thoroughbred normally doesn't. Well, then you know, if they get plenty of exercise, and they're aging, and they're thoroughbreds where they don't really have that genetic code, um, why are they getting equine metabolic syndrome? And so I'm looking towards the endocrine disruptor um, reason. And that's true in humans. Some humans get Um, diabetic issues and metabolic issues. And sometimes it's from plastics and water bottles and all that. So anyway, I'm trying to make a tie-in by finding research that is actually talking about endocrine disruption.
1: I think as well, I I obviously can't speak for all of Ireland, but (laughs) growing up (laughs) with horses in the West, I have never ever bought horse treats in my life and I don't think I've ever given a horse treat we would have always just taken a handful of pony nuts and given those as treats like it maybe now it is a more growing thing I mean people like to treat their animals and give them additional and I know there is a big movement towards clicker training with horses and positive reinforcement using treats so there's a market obviously there for more palatable treats than just using their feed. But that Uh, wouldn't have been something that we would have done. We would have always just used the horse food to give them a treat.
0: Yeah, no, it's a big industry. I mean, there's stud muffins you can buy and apple treats. And I mean, there is a huge amount of horse treats available. And uh, some of them um, that are low in sugar and made with flaxseed are even available. But Um, you know, there's a big range of fluctuation in moisture and water activity that um, can happen in shipment. And if they don't have a lot of preservatives and all that in them, which you really don't want, um, they're going to grow mold. And it was interesting in this study that as the water distribution became higher the acidic acid became lower and then vice versa so your acetic acid is more your preservative if it's high your water amounts were low so that explained the mold growth on these treats and it was interesting that they said how a horse can sense that they're neophobic and have an aversion to sour and bitter flavors. And those help them from eating those bitter um, plants that are in the pastures. But that aversion can be transferred to any feed stuff that we offer them as well. And, you know, medicine and even city treated water, they can have an aversion to. So they're very, very perceptive. I have a Mayor Miss Mary who she knows if there's anything in her food that I've added to it and she won't she won't eat it she picks it up (laughs) right away you know now the Welsh pony she doesn't care what's in it if I feed it as a food stuff she's going to eat it you know so Mary's a thoroughbred and she is highly picky and she smells anything different she's not going to eat it
1: their lips are so incredibly sensitive too. I mean, if you think about a whole portion of nuts or even, um, I've seen horses like given medicine in uh, beet pulp and managed to eat it and leave the tablet in the <laughs> feeder. Yep. That is, that's my Mary. And
0: uh, you know, thoroughbreds in general are a little bit um, less likely to eat that. And um you know, these, these treats were uh, baked apple flavored wheat and oat based horse treats. So just from that description, you know, they're going to have a propensity to mold in hot weather. Mm-hmm. And I have to say that sometimes when people buy feed, there's no control in the United States, at least, that says they have to label Uh, shelf life of these Mm -hmm. on the bag. Some do, but it's not mandatory. So the NRC or the National Research Council always says we should never keep dry feeds past six months. So um, I had some flaxseed that was a little getting older and i threw it out because i don't want to ever be feeding things that might have mold in it and i can't see it or smell it but the horse can
1: exactly and if they're hungry enough you know they are picky eaters but if that's mm-hmm. their meal that they're being given each day they are likely to still have it um, And yeah. especially when the mold is at that early stage where it's not really putting them off. Maybe the smell is not as strong or they've not picked up on the taste as much and it can still cause a problem. Obviously, we don't want to go causing colics. But um, I think the thing you said about six months there, Nancy, that's what kind of stood out to me because, I mean, my first thought was like, no, plastic really can't win in this. So how do we get around using plastic? Because I don't think buying treats in plastic is the answer. But I think considering... Where you're storing your treats and not buying in bulk. I mean, I think we've definitely moved towards a culture of, especially if there's an offer on, just buying an absurd amount, you know, like, oh, I'll buy a year's worth of their treats now. Like, try and go for something like the paper packaging and only buy a month or two months worth. Yep. And I bring mine
0: in the air conditioning in the summer months because um, it's, we have a, kind of a a small bathroom off the garage so it's kind of a mud room for when we come in off the farm and sometimes during the summer you can't get in there because there's um, you know grain and then there's treats and it's all in the air conditioning but um, you know until our we begin to have manufacturers put like best buy dates or the Mm -hmm. dates of manufacture, and we get good regulations pertaining to the storage conditions because how do we know how the supplier is storing it before we come in and buy it? So just always look at your feed and look at your treats and just know, if, especially if it's in a paper bag and um, you want to buy paper, then um you know just know don't buy a whole lot like kate said and i don't like to do plastic i always thought plastic kind of sealed everything in and then as it heats up it's giving off that polyethylene vapor and polyvinyls that they talk about in uh bottled water so I don't want to expose my horses to that either so I think it's a pain to go to the feed store every week or two but I think when we're in warm temperatures um, and you're storing it maybe in warmer uh, places like a barn or a feed room then uh, you you need to be a little bit more careful Uh, and this research did say it affected the palatability it affected the condition of the feedstuff. So um, it's good to know because I always suspected this.
1: I think the same goes for your actual um, meal that you're feeding the horses because a lot of that comes in paper bags too. So just be really considerate of where you're storing it. And if you do have a horse that's predisposed to metabolic syndrome or is higher risk or if you've got an overweight pony, you know, maybe consider are the treats necessary at all i mean do we have to give them and your horse will get used to what's normal for them too so if you cut out treats and you know they won't take pony nuts if that's what you're offering from your hand you need to wait them out a little bit you know don't give in too quick and be like okay we're you know they absolutely won't eat this we're going back to doing the treats again after some time they will it's the same with our companion animals they're just Picky in the beginning. It's like we give them this five star palette and then we're asking them to, you know, just eat lettuce.
0: (laughs) Yeah. They're going to
1: want to prefer the high fat treats we're giving them.
0: Yeah. And you can also, there's treats out there for horses that have metabolic issues. Um, They're the same price as the sugar laden treats. But, um, you know, I use them mainly as a Like when I go to get them from the pasture and they come to me, they'll get a small treat. In fact, a lot of times I break them in half. And um, when I ride and then put them back out, they turn to me and I give them a treat. So I kind of use it as motivation where I don't have to chase them around the pasture. And um, you can also make a low-sugar treat out of a cup of flaxseed, a half a cup of applesauce, and um, mix it together. And there's one more item in there, and I'll put it on the homepage, and it's a very low-sugar Uh, it's unsweetened applesauce, and uh, it's recommended for metabolic horses to give as a treat. And I've never made it, but I came across the recipe on the ecir.org website. And I thought, you know, that might be a better alternative for any overweight
1: horses or uh, Welsh pony type horses. And while making treats, Always, to me, seems time consuming because it's something that's obviously done in veterinary. You hear a lot of it. People come in and say they make treats for their dogs or cats. It's something that's definitely catching on. And I think more people enjoy doing that. You know, if you're going to spend a Sunday baking, it's kind of satisfying (laughs) to make some horse treats and see them actually enjoy them. I think it does create just another layer to that bond and you feel like you've put more of an effort in and you know what's in them I mean it's so hard food packaging labels don't even have to um, be accurate yeah you know, in the UK they can be out with by 20% in the nutrient content and that's legally fine in other countries they don't have to state all their ingredients they only have to state main ingredients so I think it is it's It's something that would be worthwhile and you could also freeze them and just, you know, thaw them out and use them again. I
0: have um, the recipe. It's one pound of flax, a half cup applesauce unsweetened, two cups of hot water, one and a fourth cups of salt and two tablespoons of cinnamon. Mix it together and let it harden and, um, You know, try it, see if your horse likes it. It was highly rated on the website. And I went to that equine uh, Cushing's and insulin resistance conference, and they highly recommend that as an alternative to the sugar treats. And then you don't have to worry about the paper bags or the plastic bags. You can store them in, um, you know, your own refrigerator or um, in your freezer. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, I wonder if if this would be better baked or not. I'll have to look into that. But anyway, I'll make do a
1: little it. bit of research with your. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: I'll have to experiment and then I'll let you guys know.
1: Brilliant. I think that's everything I had for this one today, Nancy.
0: Yeah, I want to give a shout out to SIU Carbondale because I do a lab um, saddle fitting lab with them every year. And I'm looking forward to being there this fall. Last fall, couldn't do it because of COVID. And uh, for once, one of the research papers, I know the facility and I know where Mana Pro is and I know where Nestle Purina is. So I was very familiar with this and the environment that this was carried out in. So um, I think there needs to be more research in this and we need more, uh, I think we just need better packaging. And then also um, maybe a larger sample size to replicate this research would really tell a lot.
1: I think so. And I think research yep. is probably the only way we're going to be able to drive a change in the regulations as well. As always.
0: Yep. And when people
1: quit buying or,
0: and all that and kind of demand things, that's when it begins to happen.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well,
0: okay. Well, I think that's all I had, Kate. This, this was interesting and we'll follow it up in the next couple of weeks, maybe with some endocrine disruptors that are known to be present in horses, whether it's chemicals in the pasture or whatever. We'll delve a little deeper into this because that one thing that bothers me also about using plastic.
1: Brilliant. Thanks so much for recommending this one this week, Nancy. If anyone, has any areas that they'd like us to look into them into for them then <laughs> please do contact us and you can get us on facebook conversations and equine science or on instagram conversations dot equine science
0: okay well thanks so much kate
1: talk to you next week take care
0: you too bye-bye